The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is no substitute for professional care by your doctor or your qualified healthcare professional. Never disregard or delay professional medical advice because of something you've heard on this podcast or in any linked material. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Shirley neither endorses nor opposes any particular opinion discussed on this podcast. The views expressed on this podcast have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, practice, institution, or other entity with which Dr. Shirley may be affiliated. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty. This podcast is curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD, as the definitive source of holistic wellness through beauty. Welcome to the Forever Fab, the podcast dedicated to fashion, the art of living well, and all things beauty. I'm your host, Dr. Shirley Madere, the founder of the Holistic Plastic Surgery Philosophy, and your purveyor of this definitive source of living a beautiful and fabulous life. In this podcast, I like to have intelligent and fun discussions around some of the things that I love and that move me with joy, namely fashion, art, wellness, and the many faces of beauty, including the faces of beauty who I am privileged to interview. I try to keep it fresh and real, educational, but entertaining, scientific, and fantastic. This week's episode specifically is dedicated to self-love. The topic of this episode is the power of touch, self-empowerment, and self-love for self-defined success. This is my interview with Ms. Ty Hall. Hello, darling. Thank Hello, you. fabulous. <laughs> Let me tell some folks a little bit about you. Ty Hall is an international massage therapist whose career has evolved from sports massage and oncology or cancer treatment massage to post-operative care and plastic surgery. Whoop, whoop. She adds to her roster of talents, that of public speaker, millennial activist, and multi, let me repeat that, multi-business owner. Ty has persevered and accomplished success after success after courageously overcoming setbacks, including homelessness, dropping out of college, and being a single mother. Incredible on all fronts. Ty holds a bachelor's in neuromolecular biomechanics. I love a good nerd. A bachelor's in abnormal psychology. Probably helps her to get along in this world today. And a master's in healthcare and administration. She also spent several years as the teen therapist at the University of Maryland in College Park. She has now dedicated her life to improving the quality of lives of many others. She joins me via StreamYard today to discuss success on her terms and what it takes to change people's perspectives. Welcome, Ty. Congratulations on all of your success. And thank you for becoming a beautiful member of the Forever Fab community. Thank you. If that wasn't the most heartwarming introduction ever, like now I just want to take you and put you in my pocket and like, <laughs> Dr. Shirley, hang on. <laughs> we're, we're at the new spot. Hang on. <laughs> that was amazing. And thank you for having me and providing this platform for others to um, learn and grow and figure out life on their terms. Right. And share the love. Right? Yeah. If, if the past several months to a year and a half have not shown us 
that we are all in this together to share and help each other grow and to evolve and help to make the whole world a more beautiful place. I, I don't, then I'm not really sure what the point is. Maybe they were under a rock. <laughs> Hopefully it's a crystal rock and they'll come out enlightened. Mm. <laughs> Shall we get down to it, Ms. Hall? Let's get to it, darling. Let's get to it. You have said, and I quote you, that the strongest actions for a woman is to love herself, to be herself, and to shine. Now, what experiences led you to create that affirmation or to believe that? I have had one heck of a rocky road journey here, and um, I honestly wouldn't change it at all. Um, I come from a psychotically huge family and from <laughs> a background, um, uh, Hispanic infusions that um, women were not, they were never subservient ever, but um, a lot of times we were pushed and encouraged um, to go to school to find a, a maid or a spouse and um, uh, my mom is one of seven. My grandmother was one of 21 and, wow. um, women, uh, didn't always have the voices. Like I recently did my ancestry and it brought so many tears to my eyes. It's like the skeleton starts to fall out of the closets. Um, wow. me having, um, empowering conversations, even with just my own mom of, I'm like, well, why are you like that, ma? And she was like, well, that's how I've always been because that's how I was raised. Mm -hmm. They to have voices. They weren't raised to live life on their terms based around their desires and their interests. And my mom is in her mid sixties now discovering herself for the first time. And while any day can be your day one, I'm like, look how many years that you've missed of a, in evoking life into those years that I was like, I didn't want that to be my story. And I being in this industry that is heavily dominated by women um, I meet so many women that that has become their story as well. So I would rather see a sermon than hear one any day. And I decided to become the change, to be the difference and break certain generational curses that allows me to be a beacon of light that attracts others who may be searching for themselves as well to find their story, to write their story on their terms. Well, you said so much in that answer. And two of the things that particularly resonate with me, and it's one of the many reasons why I was excited to speak with you and interview you today, is that you essentially intimated that it's never too late. And it's never too late to rewrite your narrative. Just because you were born into a certain culture and were raised a certain way, if those values no longer serve you, it's never too late to switch it up. And you are the personification of that, you have manifested that. So I can't wait to ask you some more questions about your journey to help show that you did change the narrative despite how you were brought up, despite your lineage, right? Your lineage is not necessarily your legacy. Right, you define your legacy and you create and craft it to the beat of your drum. You just have to pause long enough to yeah. world's inferences to find your beat and your song. So speaking of your beat and your song, what motivated you to become a massage therapist? I got one. So piggybacking off the last story, I went to college and um, my entire freaking psychotically huge family lived <laughs> vicariously through me. And because mm -hmm. I, I was like, hey, this is really cool. 
I mean, I'm sure you've noticed, but I am a nerd. And <laughs> I love a nerd. I love learning and growing and evolving and leveling up and finding out new information, exploring cultures. So they were like, well, I mean, if you're going to stay there, then, then you should be a doctor and you need to be a lawyer and you need to be a lawyer. Mm. College is not for everybody. Right. That's and right. Sometimes we may speak death into our children because we'll tell them that it is their job to go to school, to get good grades, to get a good job. You are indirectly, subconsciously telling your children that they need to work for somebody else. And um, so, and you want what's best for them, Mm. what you think may be best for your child and you want to protect them and keep them safe and love them may not be what's truly best for that spirit and soul that you carried and nurtured, but they're their own individual. Our children do not come into this world empty. They do have their own aspirations that I think a lot of times society may try to demune by compartmentalizing them and putting them in boxes that they want to be in. And um, I didn't know it at the time, but I've always kind of had a problem with authority. I don't like being told. <laughs> so that with, Um, I was too immature at the time to acknowledge that the only thing I wanted was to be happy. I didn't know what it looked like. And so I would go towards the things that my family was pushing me towards because that's what will make me money. I actually don't care about money. I could care less. I know I need it to pay my bills because I can't pay with hugs and kisses yet. I'm working on it. (laughs) (laughs) Let us know. (laughs) Right. Uh, So I tried, I, I got into college and I changed my major eight different times, like changed, declared, changed again. I dropped out three times. I amassed more than a semester's worth of tuition and parking tickets because I was always late to class. <laughs> I, um, it took me six and a half years to finish. And when I was there, um, I uh, was going to be an anesthesiologist mm-hmm. and got into med school. Congrats. Thank you. Discovered I hated it. it Congrats. <laughs> I was like, this isn't for me. Yeah. I freaked out. And my parents are like, Eha, you are almost done. Please don't do this to us. They're like, you know what? You should just relax. Here, go get a massage. And I'm like, okay. And I like, this is amazing. And it just spoke to me. And I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. And he was like, you have got to be kidding me. I was like, no. It was just, I just knew that people will, um, I knew that I wanted to to help people. I just didn't know in what manner that that would be done. And, and while massage is the conduit, that actually hasn't changed. I have stayed committed to wanting to always be able to help people. And then massage is the avenue that I have been able to uh, accomplish that. And I continue to evolve within the industry to level up and continue to help people. And change lives with also changing my life first. I can't pour from an empty cup and I've been able to level up my practice by leaps and bounds by staying focused and committed to what the overall original goal was, which was never money. It was to be able to make a difference in people's lives. And the cool thing is, is that when you do what you enjoy and you do what you love, the money comes. That was fantastic. That really was a wonderful story about how things came full circle for you and Something that your parents wanted to just help you with and, and treat you to became your life's work. Thank you for sharing that. And particularly about massage now, let, let's d- dive a little bit deeper into that kind of work. 
other than the physical, right? Other than relaxation, you know, de-stressing, what would you say are the particular benefits of massage on spiritual health and mental health? Mental health, um, we indirectly wind up becoming a lot of our clients' therapists, um, but it's a, a safe space, you know? Um, when clients would come into my room and we would close the door, I don't care who you were on the other side of that door, but in here, you just get to be, you know, what appeared, and that's a full sentence, just be. You get to be yourself as you are, how you are. <laughs> There's been times where I stepped out and I came back in, the clients then got real comfortable and they took their wigs off, wigs sitting in the chair, got their jewelry off. And to the rest of the world, they can be this big star. And But to me, within that small, safe space, they could be whoever, however, whatever beautiful mess that they needed to be in that moment. I gave them peace and comfort to be themselves, to let go, to have somatic emotional releases and break down, to let it flow. And if they chose to pick up that baggage on the way back out, they can, but usually they don't. It was a uh, the a massage room with your provider and your therapist became um, a sanctuary mm. where they could unload and then refill all at the same time, where the benefits of massage supersede the initial, because um, there's a power in touch that tactile, yes. that proprioception, um, it has a hormonal response. Absolutely. And that you're not by yourself anymore, you're not alone, um, that you can tell somebody about your problem, be it physical or physiological, and that your voice matters, that you matter, having that positive encouragement and reinforcement that there is space for you in this crazy, chaotic, beautiful world. Yeah. And that, that connection and that rapport, sometimes people just needed that little bit to get them from one day to the next. If everybody's life is a story with pages turned, sometimes we need a little help turning to get to that next page. And, and that is indeed beautiful. The power of touch is absolutely underrated and unfortunately over adulterated, but when used appropriately and for um, health benefits and spiritual benefits and all the other benefits for wellness and well-being, it is absolutely powerful. What would you say is the, I'm sorry, go ahead. I wanted to touch on something you um, real quick. And as far as within the spiritual realm, um, or when it comes to westernized medicine, we're mm. not to acknowledge the flow and exchange of energy and um, massage encourages that um, where just like you have veins and arteries that carries blood to and from through the heart and through vessels, capillaries, down to your pinky toe and your eyelids, you have energy channels, chakras, meridians, and senses that carries those energies as well. And so that is the energetic spiritual side that is also tapped into and in recalibrating through the power of touch and massage. Absolutely. And you know what? It all comes together so beautifully. And if you know either yourself how to integrate that, or if you know someone who can help you to integrate that, it is transformative. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, what would you say is the biggest obstacle that you had to overcome to achieve your goals? The biggest obstacle that I had to overcome to achieve my goals was that my life was my own 
and that I can own it on my on my terms and, and make it look however I want wanted it to look, that I don't have to subscribe to societal constructs of being a business owner, of being a woman, of being a mom, that, I mean, at any given moment, we're all a statistic in some way, shape or form, but mm. that doesn't have to define you. And as I got more comfortable that I am not everyone's cup of tea, that's okay. <laughs> that I can be me and true to me as unapologetically as that may seem and look, and that through that, I can still be successful. I had to learn how to tune out the world's opinions of me because I didn't want it to taint the mm. definition that I had assigned for me of who I am and learning how to be in the world and not of the world, knowing that if there's a calling on your life and the things that you were destined to do, that you have uh, passionate talents tucked away inside of you and they weren't meant for you, they're meant for you to give away and bless other people with, it would require me to not become the people who I was seeing that were hurting to not become the people who may have hurt me in the past, mm. giving myself permission um, to evolve into whatever I wanted to be, but knowing that I was the one that was going to define that. Yeah, that is so deep and another powerful lesson. I mean, that really, that I relate to that when you said that you're not for everyone. Because when I first created what I considered a personal philosophy, which then became a professional philosophy of holism, holistic plastic surgery, at least, um, that wasn't for everyone. I mean, people were just like, uh, what's so holistic about your scalpel? I was like, <laughs> have a consultation and I'll let you know. But, um, but it's true. I say that all the time. I am not for everyone and my philosophies and my techniques are not for everyone. But you can still hold a space for those people and not get dragged into that you know, that person's stuff. So thank you for that. And it's clear based on what you just said, you, you know, one of your aims is to motivate people and to help them heal. So what motivates you in turn? Who, what fills your cup? Who fills your cup? Um, that's something else that allowed me to overcome the obstacle that I was struggling with and being okay with being so different. And I'm, mm the longest that I was so, so freaking different from the foods that I find, um, uh, 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 some of my favorite things, um, that I enjoy, um, to the music I will listen to, to the clothes that I wanted to wear and giving myself permission that it's okay to be different. I spent so much time robbing the world of my uniqueness, trying to fit in and trying to be what other people wanted me to be, family and not family, from the subliminal messages that we'll see on like billboards and ads of what the what beauty is. Yes. And it's only one type of beauty. And so that freeness, that freedom that I experienced, and I'm like, man, yo, if I could just figure out one, I gotta first figure out how to pay bills with hugs and kisses. <laughs> that, figure out how to bottle up this feeling. Cause I was like, yo, I think, I mean, yes, every person de deserves this, but you know, um, I'm biased. I'm, I'm a mom, I'm a woman, I'm uh, of ethnic background. I was like, yo, yeah. I want every woman to feel this. And that is what motivates me that I'm like, if you could push the pause button on those yes. expectations that you have absorbed thinking that that is what you need to be. And then go and explore who you want to be, your life can be so much more beautiful. Like if you think life is good now, yes. took the restraints and the ceilings off and you allowed yourself to dream out loud. Me being able to touch people and on the back of my business card, it says changing, um, 
one massage at a time, making a difference and changing lives one massage at a time. And being able to take a step back and like, you know, it's cool. Joe Osteen has his platform and Joe Myers has their platform. And then um, there's other people who have their platforms. That doesn't mean that that has to be my platform. Some people dance, some people sing. This is my healing ministry. And that I can make a difference one person at a time. And if I am able to touch someone and give them some peace, some encouraging words, something that'll help them sustain to get that to that one page turn to the next in the storybook that is their life. That's what motivates me. Like, all right, who can I help? Who can I bring some type of joy and freeness to? Well, one of the things that motivates me actually reminds me that we have yet something else in common. And uh, that is that I like to believe that I am making a difference in the world by helping to make the world a more beautiful place one person at a time. So when I was thinking about my practice and what motivated me and and all that, you know, helped to empower me to empower others, helping to make mm-hmm. the world a more beautiful place inside and out one person at a time. So that what you just said resonates with me. Thank you so much. So um, based on that, and everything that you've accomplished so far, and I know you have so much more yet to do, what would you say is the achievement that you are most proud of right now? Just one. Let me pick let me, <laughs> one of the top somewhere. Um, I just turned 36. Congratulations. Thank Happy you. birthday. Thank you. And I retired um, in December at the age of 35. Wow. From okay. That is my um, greatest professional accomplishment. Wow. Congratulations. Now, I have a feeling that you retired in quotes. So maybe you're not doing one thing, but I see you. I see you, Ty, and you're doing other things. So what's next for you? Uh, I've gotten away from exchanging time for money. And now I focus on exchanging money for money. Mm-hmm. Um I show other people how to do the same. So I don't need to live forever, but I want to create things that will. I want to create solutions for problems that will be forever. And that through my hard work, my life will have a sustaining purpose and being able to continually change the lives of others. So my work, you're right. I've retired within air quotes. I do not do hands on But because when I would spend time with one person, I was just with that person. Whereas now I can go and teach and I teach a large course once a month. And instead of me being with one person and changing one life or affecting one life, I can affect 20, 40, 60, 100. We'll live stream the course and I have people tuning in from Kenya and Mozambique and from Australia and Spain where they are doing these are emerging markets within the plastic surgery field and industry, and they are um, subpar and waning when it comes to the post-operative resources and, and intelligence to be able to take care of these clients after they get th- these procedures. So the reach has grown, and instead of me just giving a man a fish, I can now teach people how to fish, and then they go and they teach others, and they teach others creating YouTube videos that um, will sustain forever. Videos that I created like three years ago are still in circulation and still helping people. Wonderful. Well, let me know if I can collaborate with you on that. I'd love to be of service with you. I would love that. Awesome. Creating your legacy. Ours. Ah, That's right. That's right, sister. Now you've worked 
with so many different types of people, NFL players, um, Olympians, um, recording artists, uh, politicians, people from so many walks of life. If you were to think about all those people in aggregate as people who are in need of massage therapy, what would you say amongst all those people, that wide swath of people is the one thing they all have in common? Um, <laughs> without having to think about it, um, most of them are struggling to love themselves. Oh, wow. That's so deep that that came so quickly and you didn't even have to think about it. It's, it's very superficial. And today's society encourages the superficiality of it all, the facades. And, uh, you know, that tr they truly get to be themselves when they're with me. They can be weak. Like there, there's a strength in being weak and being average and being me mediocre, because if you're living up, to, if you're operating at such a high level of perfection and prettiness all day long, it's exhausting. Yeah. It's not real. You cannot, um, that's not sustainable for a long period of time. And most of what we see on the outside of someone's online streaming control content are really small little mental health cries of people trying to do a better job of loving themselves, but still at the same time needing way too much external validation. Mm, that external validation is something serious, mm -hmm. something serious. Well, thank you for that because I, I think that that is super relevant. I think that that is um, something that is not well understood and I don't think it's acknowledged even though it's it's right underneath the surface. And I think right. it's insidious. It may not come out in, immediately, but I do think it has an impact, a significant impact. And at some point it, it will either implode or explode for some mm -hmm. people, not everybody. Now- And then become so good at being toxic, it's they can be become uh, functional with it. And it just yeah. becomes- yeah, it be, it, yeah, it's serious. I- have often said, and I, I, I just believe this, that sometimes adversity um, helps to shape you and mold you and to prepare you for greatness. Now, that isn't obviously true across the board, but I tend to believe that there has to be <laughs> a reason for choosing suffering, right, and going through adversity in life. You have been through a lot, Mm -hmm. How would you um, describe uh, your greatest adversity, for example, going from homelessness to now successful serial entrepreneur? What sustained you? How did you do it? What did you believe in? What did you tell yourself to be able to make that happen? Now, I am a Christian, so I do fall back on my Christian values as um, moments of empowerment, but mm. I at my platform, and while this is my ministry, um, I have other people that are within my platform and other people that I work on that we don't have the same faith. Yeah. But outside of, um, I think, Satanism and atheism, when you look at uh, forms of, I don't want to say religion, let's say spirituality, we all have very similar values. And I allow that it's, it's I mean, it's easy to be a, a Christian, so you have to be a Christian. It's easy to be you know, saved or good or uh, more uh, morally grounded until you got to actually do it. Yeah. So I took those morals and those values that I that have been infused or I've been infused with since I was young, and I allowed myself to lean on them to propel me from one situation to the next. The definition of success is going from um, failure to failure without the loss of enthusiasm. 
And I paused and I looked back and I'm like, yo, I have no idea what's going on. And I was honest and raw and I would cry and I would scream instead of holding it in. And, um, sometimes I would yell at God and I would ask for help. I would be very honest with what I was feeling and what I needed. And I allowed myself to sink into the values that have gotten me this far and knowing that there's something greater than me, bigger than me. And I'm like, yo, you got a real bomb track record. So I'm gonna keep rocking with you. You know, I have no idea what's going on and it doesn't feel good. And I don't like it. Right. <laughs> but important thing was that I looked for the lesson always. I believe that your pain should have purpose. And if you go through something, allow yourself to capitalize off of it. And there's a lot of things that I survived that I'll now be able to speak to somebody from an informed experience standpoint. Like, would you ever play for a coach who's never actually played the game? Right. more comfortable being coached and mentored by someone who has been in your shoes before and they know what you're going through and you can trust and lean on the information that they're giving you. That's where my purpose comes from, the, all of the painful experiences that help to consecrate and mold me into the person I became. I like me. You yeah. Know, out those things. Yeah. I could see why you like yourself and why so many people follow thousands of people like you. So kudos. I'm one of them. <laughs> tell me about the, tell me about the challenges of being a single mother and how you overcame them while going back to school. Oh, man. Yeah. That's, that's a separate podcast, isn't it? It is. <laughs> um, <laughs> businesses and a lot of times whatever happened in my personal life, I would allow it to transcend to my professional life and like your kids are needy, man. Like they always need something. <laughs> just like your business. It always yeah. something. But um, it was really difficult because I didn't, my son didn't come with a manual and no. I am a socialite. I, uh, um, I like to think that I'm a people person. I'm bubbly. I'm loud. I'm outgoing. I'm talkative. My son is not. Yeah. <laughs> on top of being a single mom, on top of, you know, juggling school and work and, trying to build a business, I also had to learn this beautiful blessing that I was given and figure out how to love him on her, t- on his terms and like what he needed. And, um, it was difficult. Like yeah. I was like, Hey, you want to go to a sports game? He was like, no, like he's into <laughs> science and engineering, which is cool. We, we can nerd out together. Yeah. But then like, stuff he's interested in, I was like, I don't care about any of this stuff. <laughs> so that added a whole nother layer to, um, you know, it was he and I against the world. And I was, I was very honest with him. I was then I am now and not, there's times that I would just pull up a chair and look at him like, Hey, so listen, right. Yeah. I don't, but I am really trying my best and okay. I need some help here. I need some assistance. Like I need, I need you to chill out. Like <laughs> I got a paper, you know, um, dinner has to be cooked. And so there were times where Instead of over, like what mom doesn't want to coddle and hold their children and of keep them protected, there were times that sometimes I would have to take that away, and um, I, he would have to do and, and be a little bit different. And something else that was very, very crucial to our story, I moved to Baltimore. I grew up in um, a city uh, called PG County. Mm-hmm. They're not anymore, but for the longest, PG County was the richest black county in america oh wow i didn't know that 
um, now at the moment, at the current moment, it um, is, uh, no, it's still the richest black county. We used to have the most millionaires. Now it's Rhode Island. Oh. I come from a two-parent household. I was raised, air quotes, right, if there is such a thing. My parents were <laughs> married. But when I started looking into purchasing property and, you know, after we worked our way back up, we lived in the hood and I was like, I got to get us out the hood. We moved to Baltimore. And Baltimore is one of those few places where the socioeconomic disparity is visible immediately. Yes. Yes. I have where been. Out of the street, you have million dollar houses. And on this side of the street, you have the projects. And I was like, who did this? <laughs> and so raising I had to raise him differently just for survival because of where we were. Like you don't have the privilege of being unaware. Like you need to pay yes. attention surrounding at all times because of where we are. So that was infused into how I raised him because I'm like, I can't do for you all day long, all day, every day. And then you go to school and there's no school buses in Baltimore. You ride public transportation. Wow. You got five on the bus. So I was like, you have to be on the same level as the people around you for you to be able to survive in this environment. Mm -hmm. And so that added another layer to, um, I didn't have time to break down, you know, be mommy, be daddy. It was, Hey, this is what we need to do for us to make it through and get to tomorrow. You, you gain, you got to eat. I got to finish this paper, go over there, turn on the stove. Um, don't let it burn your eyebrows off. But if you do, (laughs) I'm a parent. They'll grow back and I bet you won't do it again. <laughs> it was trial and error and me um, had not being able to coddle him the way that I, you, a mom probably would, but it was for both of our own survivals. Yeah. And figured it out. Yep. Yep. And it sounds as if you did an amazing job. I'm sure he's an outstanding young man. He is. He's pretty freaking dope. I look Bye. back. Um, I recently got engaged. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Okay. We are going to have to, you know, in real time, I get together and celebrate this because you have so much going on. So many beautiful things happening in your life right now. Congratulations again for like the third or fourth time that I said it. (laughs) I survived like a really tough. And during that time frame of figuring out how to raise a kid who's stuck different than me, I was in a really toxic relationship and, um, you know, life was crazy. And so getting out of that, loving myself, uh, working on my healing, you know, I met an amazing man and he is substantially younger than, not substantially, he's like five, six years younger than me and okay. he don't have kids. And so I was like, huh, we're going to do this again, huh? <laughs> and so the story is that they don't all turn out like that. I was like, can I just get like two, three more of my son? He's such an amazing, amazing person. Um, being a child and it's not saying that cause he's mine. He's just really freaking dope. <laughs> That's awesome. We love dope kids. We love dope kids. Now you switching, you know, um, topics just a little bit, you help patients to recover from surgery, from plastic surgery. Was there something specific about plastic surgery that attracted you to that field? Meaning why did you choose it? And were there specific techniques that you felt you needed to apply to plastic surgery patients that were different from other types of patients in terms of recovery and healing? Absolutely. Cause I still work on people who would have, um, medical surgeries instead of the elective based ones, mm-hmm. um, tapping back into what we said before. And I wish that it was, and I, I appreciate and love platforms like this because it does allow us to have honest, raw, transparent, needed conversations. Absolutely. And like, it goes so unchecked and people with body dysmorphia yeah. or unresolved childhood traumas and they're trying to chase uh, chase that love and happiness 
um, through surgery, that attracted me a lot to it. But then also, um, man, I just, I just love the gore. (laughs) (laughs) I love the body change. I loved, um, learning about the, the science that's infused into it, the, um, way that the body heals, the fluid and the, um, the transformation on a cellular level. Like I was nerding out on a whole nother level when I this industry, I was like, what? Yeah, it's so fabulous, isn't it? Thing? <gasps> I, yeah. I, I was like, gotta know more. I want more. I gotta have more. Yeah. No, I definitely share that with you. And I, I love to nerd out. I think that the human body is an absolutely phenomenal, just phenomenal entity, machine, universe into all of its. I know we can totally. I wish I had I had known you in my earlier podcast when I was totally nerding out and just like lecturing people. And everybody was just like, oh my God, that's so boring. Stop lecturing me. But you and I would have vibed on it. <laughs> All day. I'm like, oh my God. I, I just, what's one? Buccal fat removal. Yeah. Oh, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yo, there's a whole little fat pocket inside. <laughs> and just seeing it and sitting it on surgeries. <sighs> Made my day. But it's true what you say about um, coming at it the right way psychologically and mentally. Um, I advise my patients when I'm doing consultations that really the transformation um, that um, can occur with uh, cosmetic plastic surgery, reconstructive plastic surgery with any kind of plastic surgery, the transformation that can occur and that one is seeking ideally, um, at least when it comes to the elective cases, should be should be coming from a place of self-love as opposed to a place of deficit, like, oh, I'm not good enough, or this is not pretty, or I'm not pretty, I'm not beautiful, change it. But if you can do it from a place of self-love, then I think it's more empowering. And I know that that kind of feeling and mindset reverberates back to the hormones and the chemicals and all the things that are circulating in our bodies to help us heal, which is why it's important to be able to heal from the inside out. So let me ask you a part two of that question. Are there specific techniques that you use particularly with plastic surgery patients? Because maybe if someone is recovering from a knee replacement, that may, you may not use the same techniques for healing and recovery that you would with somebody who, for example, had a facelift. So right. tell me a little bit about your techniques for plastic well, surgery. First thing that I do when I get a new client and that I also instruct my providers to do is you figure out where their expectations are, you figure out where they are mentally, and then you bring them down to where you want them to be and help to recalibrate them. Through this entire process, um, everybody becomes conditioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite um, medical theories is Ivan Pavlov's theory of conditioning that after you spent so much time being introduced to a stimuli, it will produce the same outcome each time, even if the initial onset that started that stimuli isn't there. Right. And so people um, will mull over and continue to obsess over all of the things that they cannot wait for their doctor to change about them. The thing that they don't like, they obsess over it. And I'm like, all right, cool. So what we're going to do now, your first is I need you to find three things that you love about yourself that you are just absolutely enamored with. And I was like, pick a day and I'll sign them whatever day is their day. And I was like, um, but now, uh, here's the thing. We're going to do this for the next four weeks. Here's this deprogramming, deconditioning exercise is that every Monday you have to find a different three things. Mm. And that will start to the process of deconditioning from seeing everything that you don't like about yourself to acknowledging the things that you do like about yourself. 
I don't care what you do, techniques, surgeries, whatever, um, your mind dictates your matter. And what's going on here and here will emanate outside. So we start with that. And then there's um, hand techniques. Uh, there's machines and tools that uh, now on a scientific and medical level, during plastic surgery, the lymphatic system gets demolished, like smashed up. Yes. So amazing. It's so freaking perfect and beautiful that it builds you a new one. It just takes about two to three months for it to do. And it takes a minute. Yes. It doesn't always do it in the exact same manner. Like if there was a base right here and I knocked it down to the ground and it broke and I um, got my OCD on and decided to put the base back together, I could put it back together, you know, in an ample amount of time. It might take me two weeks, two months, two years, but would it be the same as it was before? No, no. Norm. And so that's how the body and we have to approach the body. But it's done so systemically, especially when liposuction is involved. Mm. If someone were to get something done to their knee, it's in such an acute area, whereas in the effects of liposuction are almost full body encompassing systemic and how um, and you have to treat the body on a full level. It is a closed system. Hello. Even if I am trying to help someone who gets knee surgery, um, you, you treat the full system, but man, with plastic surgery, you have to treat the full system. You treat, um, every ounce. And I was like, and I'll take my clients through that journey of, all right, we're going to talk about what are you eating? What are you thinking? What are you wearing? What, are, how much are you sleeping? What are you putting into your, your temple and your vessel? Absolutely. The music you listen to, the people you listen to, the information that your body is taking in and processing from food to all these other stimuli, it needs to be on a heightened, healthy level. And I, can only, uh, I can't be the only one that's working. Like yeah. the way that we handle our clients is so much more detailed than our elective clients. Um, because this was also uh, a choice you chose that you wanted this. Um, the techniques that we use will work with the shambled lymphatic system and all of the strokes go upwards. Whereas in, it's not the same when you're doing someone who's getting regular Swedish and they're just here to relax. That's so right. the direction, changes, the intent changes, the protocol changes, everything changes. I'm a huge advocate of manual lymphatic drainage. And then on another note, um, more importantly, I am so happy that you are, you are preaching, right? You are talking the talk because you summarized in what you just said over the past couple of minutes, you totally summarize um, how I practice right? It's completely inside and out. Everything is related. You operate on a knee, you operate on a nose, the body goes through a systemic change, right? And absolutely, it isn't just about, um, obviously, the surgeon's job and uh, performing the operation beautifully, but it's also, it's a team. We're a team, right? We're going into the operating room, we are holding hands, we are going in there together. You have your work to do. I have my work to do to make sure we are all on the same page and we're dancing this to the same tune. So I'm so happy that you are educating your patients on that. Thank you. Because you and not definitely patients. I have now gotten up to, I've trained 302 providers around the world. Wow. And now, um, today and, um, uh, January. And, um, I have another course that's going to be this weekend and that's going to add another 103 providers. So this, wow. is what, um, the industry is being cultivated around this ideology that ties into, and we can work hand in hand with the surgeons and it's one beat, one sound, one voice. And we're all on the same accord of treating and how to take care of our clients systemically. Fantastic. Again, I think that's 
major. I think you're on, you're burgeoning on, you're right on the cusp of starting an, an entire new field, right? Post-operative therapist mm-hmm. or post-operative, you know, wellness coach or health mm-hmm. coach, whatever the case may be. So kudos to you. And again, if I may be of assistance, you let me know. I'd be happy. I'd be delighted. I'd be honored. Thank you. So speaking of therapy, which I think many of us need after what we've gone through the past year and a half and what's ongoing, has the pandemic added to or changed your perspective on health and well-being and how we may have to do things differently moving forward? Well, it gave some insight that clearly adults are the best job at adulting. And I was like, wait, hold (laughs) on. Are we really stopping the country to have a state of the union address to remind adults and educate them on how to clean their bodies. That's what we're doing right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. 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 Cool. It <laughs> happened. Yes, it um, happened. When it comes to health, um, I I wish that it, it didn't come at such a, a high, expensive cost. You know, um, but it is re- uh, bringing back attention to that. Um, Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. I remember when the pandemic first started and we saw pictures of LA and what LA looks like, like a a gloss over of it. Like, I think it was like a drone shot. And then three months after the pandemic, they took another picture of LA. Yeah. So clean, no smog, no pollution. I think I saw that photo. Yeah. It, 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 it took my breath away and like, it gave me chills. Like, Wow. Um, and if this is what we're doing to the world, what are we doing to our own bodies? Um, and me watching people go through the motions of really reconnecting with their temples. And I I remember when COVID broke in the States and originally it was only supposed to be two weeks, right? (laughs) Air quotes. And everybody went and got their quarantine snacks for the two weeks. (laughs) And then two (laughs) weeks later, we're like, huh? We're still, we're still here, huh? Yeah. Got it. But by that, um, you know, once the quarantine was actually lifted and people are looking like, wow, I, I gained like 15 pounds. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's when you eat and then don't move. That's what happens when you have become conditioned to putting toxic stuff inside your bodies and GMOs and you don't know how to read labels. You don't know that food is no longer food. Food is fuel. And when you have low quality fuel, you're going to get low quality results and that your body is a machine and it responds accordingly to what you put into it. So it's been refreshing. It's been humbling. Um, it's been inspiring and wanting to find other ways to connect with people and help them as they are awakened to their new healthy journeys. Um, it, it just brings people, um, together and they're coming into my world, whether it's just because they have questions or they want to get something done, but, um, we've been reconnecting and it's all based around health, but systemic health, mental, spiritual, emotional, um, people learning to forgive themselves from their past mistakes that they made where at the end of the day, you're human, man. Yeah. Agreed. Hopefully. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to part one of the forever fab podcast. Stay tuned for part two. You've just listened to part one of forever fab podcast. Please stay tuned for part two coming up next. <laughs>